It's me, it's me, it's that Andrew V, everybody. And I'm proud to say welcome to the very first edition of... It's all about the game. Yeah, that's right. It's all about the game, baby. Welcome to this very first edition of the game here on WSOE 89.3. Rest in peace, Fat Lip. And play Fat Lip. But we're back. We're better than ever. We got more stuff to talk about in the same amount of time, same place, same location here in beautiful Elon, North Carolina, even though it's a little foggy today. But that's okay, because today we got music from Glass Animals, Daft Punk, All Time Low, Louis the Child, Seagrid, Weezer. And we're going to talk about some NFL Super Bowl fallout, the trade deadline on the NBA. And I know y'all love it. Your favorite subject, mine as well. WWE. Mm. Gonna talk some sweet wrestling. Some WrestleMania matchups we have yet to see confirmed. Will The Undertaker be there for WrestleMania? Who knows? But let's get it kicked off with a little bit of music right now. We got All Time Low with their song Nightmares, followed by our boys at Smitty's, and then a song by Seagrid called Plot Twist here on Play. Whoop, caught myself there. Here on The Game. On WSOE 89.3. Try to fight it I gotta say 
All time low with their song Nightmares, and I had to pause secret because I just want to get into some Super Bowl full, fallout real quick. Foles out, you could call it, because it was all Nick Foles and Super Bowl 52. Baby, I won, man. I am happy. I am fired up. And I know around the Elon Harry, we got a new Eng- a lot of New England fans, but to them, I can just say, New England, it's okay to lose every now and then. You d- it's like, uh, I can't really describe it other than when a spoiled child's parents says no to them. Or, or when the, the, the child who's been, who's been taught to easily win their entire life loses their first game of, of recreational baseball or something like that. It's, it's okay to lose New England. You've done it three times. But you're still you're still five for eight. You're I mean, you're not Buffalo. You're not losing every Super Bowl you're in. You're certainly sure as hell not the Browns, who have never won a a, a championship in the Super Bowl era, let alone can't get a win this year. But we've we've all seen the game. We, we've heard everything there is to hear. I mean, it, we're we're six days removed from the game, and and one thing that bothered me was was. There, there were two things that bothered me, and I'm going to get into the, both of those as we talk about the Super Bowl. Because I could go on and on about the the Eagles winning and the, they ended their Super Bowl, their, their drought, and the Patriots and Belichick benching Malcolm Butler. But all of those stories have been covered. Here are two things that people are saying that are really ticking me off. Number one. What to do with Nick Foles. Nick Foles came off one of the best playoff performances since Joe Flacco. Virtually perfect, making zero mistakes. And people are telling me that the Eagles shouldn't think twice about re-signing him. And that maybe they should they should think again about Carson Wentz being the future of the franchise. Hmm. I'm I'm stroking my proverbial beard for all of you listening. But something that really grinds my gears is the fact that you have a quarterback. You you are comparing a MVP caliber talent before he got hurt in his second year when people tend to slump 
at the prime of his life with one of the most defensively talented and offensively deep teams I have ever seen. So the potential there is through the roof. The glass ceiling's already been shattered. You're comparing that quarterback to Nick Foles, who did have, as I mentioned, a virtually flawless playoff performance. But before this year, couldn't find a job for the life of him. What is the benefit in keeping Nick Foles around? But Andrew, what if Carson Wentz isn't healthy in time to, to return to, to action in the regular season? What if, what, if, what if he's not ready? We need Nick Foles to be our backup. And my response is, what if he sucks? What if he sucks and then you try to get rid of Nick Foles and you can't get Jack Nutton for Nick Foles? The Philadelphia Eagles need to shop Nick Foles whenever he's available to be traded. Whenever that date is, once those gates open for free agency to start and decisions are moving, I know we got a lot of big time decisions, such as Gronk potentially retiring because of concussion issues. Marshawn Lynch, is he going to come back again or is he going to retire? Where's Malcolm Butler going to go after being benched? Is Kirk Cousins going to stay on the Redskins and play second fiddle to Alex Smith? We have all of these off-season decisions, but without a doubt, the most marketable player in the league on the free agent market or that you can shop around to other teams other than Gronkowski, debatably, but I'm saying that he's bigger than this, is Nick Foles. You are going to shop around a Super Bowl MVP. Do you know, I have mentioned all year, all year, the teams that need quarterbacks, the teams that desperately need quarterbacks. The Redskins solved their problem. They have Alex Smith, and I think that was a great trade. We can talk about that later. But who needs a quarterback, you ask? Eli Manning's getting old in New York. While I think it's dumb that they benched him, he doesn't have many years left. And unless you're drafting Sam, Rose, uh, Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, get out of here. Trade Nick Foles to the Giants for all I care. That's probably the least likely option. I'll go through least likely to most likely for me. The Cleveland Browns are actually ranking lower on my list. Because... We know that no matter what, through a trade, through free agency, through the draft, careers go to die for quarterbacks in Cleveland. And if you're Cleveland, you may also want Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold. God bless their souls. And, and God, if there is a God, please have mercy on whatever quarterback does go to Cleveland. Oh, my God. But. Back to the point, I don't think Cleveland is a contender for Nick Foles because what can the Browns give you in return? The main point I'm trying to make before I continue this list is that Nick Foles is the most marketable player, the most marketable, yeah, the mar most marketable player, not even the most marketable, marketable quarterback on the market. I'm saying market a lot. He is the most valuable player, as we know, from the Super Bowl. The other man is Tom Brady, who we'll get to talk about. 
the most marketable free agent or potential potential player to get rid of is Nick Foles. Why? Because if you give him to the right team and you get the right amount out of it, that Eagles team is going to be stacked and they are going to be a bigger favorite to win the Super Bowl again over the Patriots. The Eagles outplayed the Patriots. The Eagles outsmarted the Patriots, a la the trick plays that they did. That might just be Tommy touchdown as Butterfingers or, or, or had nerves for the first time in his life. But they outplayed, they outsmarted, they outlasted the Patriots. So if you get a team comprised of players, valuable players for Nick Foles, that just raises your stock a lot higher and you're the undisputed favorite, not only in the NFC, but in the NFL. But back to the list. So right now, at the bottom, I have the Giants and the Browns. I'm sure I'm forgetting some teams there. Anyone saying Minnesota has a a quarterback controversy needs to shut their mouths because they don't. We can get into the Vikings wanting to market Case Keenum as well. But I think that's dumb. Moving forward to a more likely option, but still not my number one landing point. Denver. Denver has Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon, Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. Three quarterbacks who have no endurance, no composure in the pocket, and no skill. I'm going to take a sip of my, my, my tea for a second. But Nick Foles can bring a lot to that offense. Demarius Thomas isn't getting any younger. Neither is Emmanuel Sanders. But veterans who have a quarterback who doesn't need to sling it down the field. Those aren't the kind of players that Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are. At least now they're not. But with Nick Foles in the backfield... I think the Broncos could have a promising offense. We know their defense is good. Maybe not as good this year because they were out there saving their offenses, but playing for three quarters of the time. But Nick Foles can help you eliminate that. And who can who can the Eagles get in return? Maybe they could get Emmanuel Sanders. Maybe they could get a uh, C.J. Anderson or, or Jamal Charles or someone who can further deepen the roster. Maybe they can get someone on the, the, the Broncos' defensive line or get a corner. Maybe bring Aqib Tlaib to Philly. Do I think Nick Foles for Aqib Tlaib is a great deal? No, but you get my point that you can get some real star power out of Nick Foles if you trade him immediately, as soon as you can. If you wait... Till week three of the 2018 season, Carson Wentz isn't back, and Nick Foles is throwing ducks and stinking up the joint, then that ship has sailed. So I've listed three out of my top five-ish teams. <sighs> Cleveland, I just don't th- I just don't know. I know I, I'm getting all hung up about it. The Jets could be a good landing point because Bryce Petty's not gonna do it for you. Josh McCallan, while well, he had a he had a fine year, he's not gonna do it for you. Nick Foles could do something for you. I'm not going to lie. That Jets offense looked promising for a little bit. Heck, even ship Nick Foles up to Miami. I mean, down to Miami, rather. Geography's hard. I'm a sportscaster. I'm a musician. I am not, I'm not Christopher Columbus. <laughs> 
I would hope not. But anyways, back to my point. Ship him down to Miami. Miami needs a quarterback. Ryan Tannehill, you don't know what he's going to do coming back from injury. You don't know if he's going to be back. He had, a, he had a really bad injury. Jay Cutler, well, well, that's fine. I'm sure he just wants to go and retire again and drink beers and gain, a, gain 50 pounds. You could go to, I'm trying to think of a West Coast team. I have one, but I'm saving it. You can try to guess who it is at, at home. I think one of the most logical spots in order to get not only good players back, because this team has some sleepers, but to really ship Nick Foles to a place where his value would be worth something is without a doubt the Arizona, Arizona Cardinals. Because Carson Palmer has retired. Larry Fitzgerald, if if Drew Stanton's in the pocket throwing to Larry Fitzgerald and not connecting to him, he's going to want to get the hell out of there and retire. Why am I putting my body on the line when I don't have a veteran quarterback or someone who can throw me the ball? Nick Foles can. And as we saw in the Super Bowl, as we saw in the playoffs, Nick Foles can also operate on a run-heavy offense. LeGarrette Blunt, Jay Ajayi, Clemens, David Johnson in Arizona. David Johnson before he got hurt, and he got hurt real early, even last year. Great running back, top five in the league behind maybe Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley. This isn't just fantasy points either. David Johnson is a very productive player at the line of scrimmage and at the goal line. If you get Nick Foles back there, you have a player that trusts the running back, but also has Larry frickin' Fitzgerald in the backfield at your wide receiving core. Nick Foles to Arizona, to me, is the most logical deal because you don't need to give the Eagles Larry Fitzgerald or, or, or David Johnson. You can give them Tyron Matthew. You can give them someone on the defensive line. The Eagles and the Cardinals, the Birds, should be talking about trading Nick Foles. That is the first issue that I had with people telling me that Nick Foles might be a better choice than Carson Wentz. He's not. This next one, and I get it, we all love to do it. We all love to taunt Patriot fans about it. We all love making fun of Tom Brady. We made fun of him for hours when he dropped that catch. The trick play catch. And we made fun of him when the Eagles and Nick Foles became the first quarterback to catch his own touchdown. I mean, to catch a touchdown, rather, in the Super Bowl. We made fun of Tom Brady's lack of athleticism, but praise his MVP performance, which is great. Tom Brady is coming off an MVP year. I believe it is his third but anyone saying that the Super Bowl loss has tainted Brady's legacy is out of their damn minds. Has it tainted his legacy? Absolutely not. You're going to tell me that benching Malcolm Butler, not completing passes, not covering the Eagles receivers. I didn't mean not, complete, not completing passes. That happened. But not being able to match up to the Eagles defensive line and doing a bad job of covering the Eagles receivers, you're going to put that on Tom Brady? You're going to put that on someone who threw for over 300 yards and in the first half was lighting it up? 
No, you're not. Tom Brady, season-wise, this doesn't taint his legacy at all. He still has the most Super Bowl rings out of any quarterback, along with Belichick, who, if anyone is to blame, which we'll get into later, and how we talked about last week with Christian and the tension between the coaches or the ownership in New England, that's all bull crap. But if anyone is to blame, Malcolm Butler would have made a huge difference in that game, in my opinion. And that is up to Belichick and apparently weed and women. Tom Brady hasn't thrown an interception in a season since 2013. The Ravens won the Super Bowl that year. The Seahawks went to the Super Bowl that following season and won. The New England Patriots were still in the AFC Championship game that year. Tom Brady threw for 32 touchdowns, the most since 2014, where he won. Tom Brady, this does not taint his legacy at all. Not in the slightest does it taint his legacy. How is this going to affect next year for Tom Brady? It's it's another day in the office for Tom Brady. And you get your favorite coordinator, Josh McDaniels, back. Josh McDaniels not taking the Indianapolis Colts job was the best thing that could have happened to New England. Matt Patricia's gone. One of the most underrated, one of the most criminally underrated defensive minds in this league is gone. To Detroit, where he's not going to do anything. Josh McDaniels. Well, I think he would have done a phenomenal job in Indianapolis with a healthy Andrew Luck. And even if not, you have worked with Jacoby Brissett before. Staying in New England, you have saved your butt and you have saved yourself a chance to succeed Bill Belichick. Because Belichick doesn't have 10 more years in him. You can see it. Especially after a Super Bowl loss. He doesn't have 10 more years in him. Brady doesn't have 10 more years in him. He might have five, but... Either way, you are going to to get the chance to groom the Patriots' future with or without Tom Brady. I do think Josh McDaniels has some pull in the Patriots' organization, and that is why he stayed. So anyone telling me that Tom Brady's legacy is going to be tainted from the Super Bowl loss is wrong because Belichick is there still. Josh McDaniels is still there. That Those are the two key elements that you need. Gronk can leave. Julian Edelman cannot come back from injury. Brandon Cooks could keep stinking it up. But you have Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels, and they will turn chicken into chicken salad. I omitted a word there, obviously. Chicken crap into chicken salad. There we go. Because that's what they do. That's why they have Super Bowl rings. Tom Brady has five of them. That's why when Josh McDaniel left to coach the Broncos, it sucked. And now he's back because he wants to win. And he wants to be the successor to Bill Belichick. And he will. And Tom Brady will be there to see it. Belichick won't. His legacy will only go up. And Tom Brady will get that sixth Super Bowl ring. I have no doubt about it. Because they barely lost to the Eagles. The NFC is only going to get weaker. This was the strongest year in a long time that I have seen the NFC 
it's the most equal year as well because before that we had the Seahawks dominating. And then we had the Panthers for one year. And then we had the Falcons for one year. So over the past five years, things have really started to balance out in the NFC. And I love it. But they're going to eat each other up, eat each other alive. And they're only going to get weaker. The AFC isn't going to get any stronger unless they draft quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield to the Broncos. Miami's got to figure out their quarterback situation. Buffalo's a mess. Oakland's relocating. The Chargers are up and coming, but we all know how that goes. This is not going to take Tom Brady's legacy in the slightest because of the surrounding NFL around him and the people surrounding Tom Brady in the Patriots organization. Coming up on The Game, the very first edition of The Game, we're going to talk some NBA trade deadline. I'm going to talk biggest winners and losers. You're getting a little sneak peek at the one-on-one show this Tuesday. We're going to talk about how does this shake shake up the playoff pictures? Does this balance out the East and the West? Plot twist, it doesn't. I mean, not plot twist. Spoiler alert, it doesn't. And what trade was the most surprising? But before we do that, I'm going to plug my band's EP a little bit. The Hollow Party, we released our EP timing, our four-song EP timing on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, Google Play, Amazon Music. If you use those last two, I know you don't have a life, but still, I commend you. The Hollow Party, H-O-L-L-O-W Party, The Hollow Party. New EP timing featuring our single Sweater and Ships out everywhere, for free on streaming services. If not, you can buy it on iTunes. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, see music videos, and and even tutorials. We taught people how to play Basic Girl. That's awesome. We're writing more music, coming back better than ever, waiting for the summer when we'll all be back together and performing shows for you guys. But the hollow party timing. But let's get down to some more music from Secret and Weezer. Here's Plot Twist on WSOE 89.3 Elon and Burlington. I saw you were someone to trust Get tough, grow up Straight up And oh, 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 oh You've been so, oh, oh, in me You're the best lie I've ever heard Or you're the best lie I've never heard Priority. Oh, 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 
Smitty's Homemade Ice Cream is a proud sponsor of WSOE with three different locations. 130 North Williamson Avenue, Elon, 107 East Front Street, Burlington, and 300 North Main Street, Graham. Smitty's is a family-owned company that hand-makes all of their ice cream in small batches. Smitty's Homemade Ice Cream. We got Mexican Fender by Weezer and then some NBA talk here on The Game. Shop on Santa Monica and 7th Street. The salesman tried to get my attention to sell me a Mexican Fender. She came to get a 10,000 steps and hang out with her boyfriends. But I was only trying to get to know her, so I took her out to the ocean. It was hot, hot, 100 degrees, but she only went in up to her knees. She didn't want to take off her jeans Cause that would be insane My summer Here on the game, glorified G by Pearl Jam playing right now, courtesy of Boston Sports Radio. And my buddy Christian Carmi, we had on the uh, the show last week. But yeah, I want to talk about uh, something I forgot to mention before the break ended. Um, so Sam and I tied in primetime picks once again. She beat me last year, 
But yeah, we tied. So our tiebreaker, because because we play for bragging rights, we don't play for for tangible awards really. But uh, yeah, sh- we we like to brag. So <laughs> the tiebreaker is going to be the NBA All Star game. And if if for those of you who don't really watch the NBA all that much or know how the All Star format is working this year, it was it we're blah, 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 I can't speak. It, the people there 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 are two team captains, and. The captains were decided by the fans. It was the people with the two most all-star votes, which are LeBron James and Steph Curry. And Sam picked Team Steph Curry, her favorite player. I don't know why, but it is cool, awesome. His daughter's cute. That that interview they did a while back. (laughs) I'm picking Team LeBron. So that will be the tiebreaker for all the bragging rights marbles of primetime picks. Going inter-sports here. Going through them, combining them, blending to get the tiebreaker for primetime picks in the NFL of all places. Because she picked the Patriots. She goes to school in Philly, man. I don't know. But um, honestly, I, I was I was watching that game and I was thinking, oh my God, I really hope the Eagles win though. I mean, but the Patriots might, but, they, but I think they will. I don't know. And then the Eagles won. So pleasant surprise. Sam went to the parade in Philadelphia, said it was awesome. I'm jealous. Had, had some FOMO there. But yeah, tiebreaker will be the NBA All-Star game. My team, Team LeBron, her team, Team Steph. So after we talk some NBA, we're going to have some music from Daft Punk, Glass Animals, and Louis the Child, and some WWE, but let's get down to the nitty-gritty, as Scott Rogowski says from HQ Trivia, and let's talk everything about the NBA trade deadline. Let's talk about something, just some shocking facts uh, per SB Nation. Thank you for these facts. (laughs) But but some key players not traded that I thought were going to be traded. Two of them were DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams, both Clippers players. One is having a career resurgence, scoring the highest he's ever scored, Lou Williams, and DeAndre Jordan is kind of kind of he's just doing his thing, I guess. But he could be useful on another team. So I'm really shocked that the Clippers didn't trade them. But I'm very glad that they didn't because those are two centerpieces now that Blake Griffin is gone. Now that Chris Paul is gone. Good move, LA. Good move. Tyreek Evans, I'm not shocked that the Grizzlies didn't trade him. Julius Randle, not shocked that the Lakers didn't trade him. Damari Carroll, nah. Whatever. He just got to Brooklyn. Let him be. But let's talk about... The biggest winners and the biggest losers. And this will go hand-in-hand with the most surprising picks as well. The Cavaliers basically gave gave everyone everything but the kitchen sink. And the kitchen sink. Heck. But it all started with Isaiah Thomas being traded to the Los Angeles Lakers on February 8th. All these happened in February 8th. But good God, they pretty much got rid of their starting lineup at the beginning of the year. Isaiah Thomas. Jay Crowder. Derek Rose, Dwayne Wade, all oh, Amon Shumpert, all gone. Isaiah Thomas and Channing Fry went to the Lakers for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance. I love this move. I love it. Larry Nance is one of the most underrated big men in the league, and he has time to improve. Jordan Clarkson, great bench player, great shooting guard. He could be starting, but George Hill will probably take that slot at at the number two. Or the number one. Really depends. Channing Frye and Isaiah Thomas. The Lakers need big men, so I'm, I'm very happy that the Lakers traded them. 
uh, traded for them rather. And Isaiah Thomas, Lonzo Ball's been getting hurt a lot, so I think Isaiah Thomas will help the Lakers there. Even if not, move Lonzo down to the two, have Isaiah play the one. I mean, that's just simple math to me, but I mean, could be different for Magic Johnson and everyone in L.A. Rodney Hood and George Hill were traded to the Cavaliers for Jay Crowder and Derrick Rose. Also great. Jay Crowder is a shell of who he was in Boston last year. Great defender. Not so much this year. Derrick Rose seemingly to retire and then unretire from basketball was all confusing, but definitely will be of more use on the Jazz. He won't probably play a lot. Jay Crowder will will fill up that that hole left by Gordon Hayward in a way. He won't necessarily exceed what Gordon Hayward did in Utah, but definitely a better role player now. But this is a big blow for me. I think I think Joe Johnson and Iman Shumpert to the Kings is going to help them out a lot. Iman Shumpert's a good uh, – he, he's there. He's on the bench. But Joe Johnson to the Kings is going to be a great move, and you're going to have real veteran leadership there um, along with Vince Carter. Is Vince Carter still? Oh my God, I'm going to feel like an idiot if Vince Carter is not on the Kings. One second. He is. Oh, he's on the Raptors. Oh, interesting. Whoa, that I didn't know. But um, yeah, I guess he's on the Raptors now officially. That 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 literally just happened. So I'm wrong. He's coming home, baby. Vinsanity coming home. Anyways, back to the subject at hand. Dwayne Wade traded to the Heat was by far the most surprising move to me because Dwayne Wade was was chilling on the bench. He was doing fine. He wasn't doing great. He wanted to be on the bench. And the ovation, it's more about the reception that Dwayne Wade got when he went back to Miami that really really stood out to me. The reception, the, the, the thunderous ovation he got when coming back. And I think coming off the bench, playing with Goran Dragic, I always get his name wrong. Dragic, Goran Dragic. Try just try saying that five times fast. Dragic, Hassan Whiteside, um, Justice Winslow, when they're all healthy, the Heat, the Heat are going to be a good team. Not going to be a great team. They're not going to make it to the conference finals, but they're going to be a contender. They're going to put butts in the seats. They're going to keep the business moving. Most irrelevant pick, uh, Alfred Payton to the Magic, <laughs> Raspberry all the way down there. But um, biggest losers, I mean, Greg Monroe didn't need to go to the Celtics. I think that was a waste of a trade. I think if anyone, they should have tried to get Lou Williams or uh, Tyreek Evans or DeAndre Jordan. Somebody. You need a big man. And if it maybe if Boston knew that Cleveland was trading away their entire team, they would have made moves. But as we know, Cleveland and Boston hate each other. Emmanuel Madde trade to the Knicks. I'm trying to think of any other uh, any other big name trades. But uh, Tyler Zeller to the Bucks. Miritich to the Pelicans. Blake Griffin to the Pistons. How did I miss that? Oh, my goodness. But that was before the trade deadline. I'm talking more trades that happened at the trade deadline. But one of the biggest ones, and one of the ones that actually played out to both teams' benefit, is Blake Griffin to the Pistons. I mean, he's not going to up their win total by, like, 10 wins, but Blake Griffin to the Pistons is actually a great trade. I mean, to buy, at the expense of Tobias Harris, of course. But... The Pistons could have a chance to be a 7 or 8 seed in the playoff now. I think they might contend with Miami for that. But the, the winners, the Cavaliers, had to, had to throw everything out, had to blow it all up. And 
<laughs> the, the memes now that LeBron will trade you. I heard that uh, was chanted in Atlanta yesterday, chanting at LeBron, I mean, at the new Cavs players, LeBron will trade you. That is just amazing. I'm really looking forward to see how the NBA is going forward into the All-Star break. Does this shake up the playoff picture more so in the East than in the West? The Westies really have no repercussions because we know Golden State's going back. End of story. In the East, though, I mean, when you look at it from the beginning of the year, Eric uh, Eric Bledsoe to the Bucks. I mean, we all know the Kyrie trade and how that went down. But um, Madej traded to the Knicks. All these players on the Cavaliers. This really, this really brings the Cavaliers back into conference championship contention to me. Because before I was like, oh my God, they're not even going to make the playoffs. But now I think this gives LeBron a uh, reset focus. And I am very much looking forward to how it's going. So we're going to get some music by, I'm going to have to skip Glass Animals. I play them all the time. We're going to get some music by Daft Punk featuring Julian Casablancas and Louis the Child. And then we'll come back and talk wrestling for the last 10 minutes here on The Game on WSOE 89.3.
With Goodwill, when you donate your stuff, you help create jobs. How? Well, when you donate to Goodwill, they sell your stuff to help fund job placement and training for people in your community. So, by teaming up and donating to your local Goodwill, you'll help create jobs. To find your nearest donation center, check out goodwill.org. Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. This public service announcement brought to you by Goodwill and WSOE 89.3 FM. Five Springs Bottled Water is a proud sponsor of WSOE. Water and water coolers are available for homes and businesses in the Elon Burlington area. For more information, call 336-584-8822. Back here on the game, baby. We're going to talk some WWE for the last nine minutes of this show. I'm going to keep the music on. 
Yeah, so we're talking some WWE. We're going to talk some 205 Live. We're going to talk about The Undertaker returning for WrestleMania 30 floor, 30 floor, 34, and matchups not yet set in stone for WrestleMania. So let's talk about some more pertinent news right now. Triple H, the game. The game himself, the one that my show is named after, is running 205 Live. 205 Live is the cruiserweight division, and they have their own show now. But this this is a big creative change because 205 Live has been getting snubbed on Monday Night Raw. They're getting 5 to 10 minutes of airtime max, and... While the wrestling is really good, they're they're forcing these 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 wrestlers. They're not sports entertainers on Two Hundred Five Live. They are wrestlers, and they know how to put on a show. Don't try to give them storylines. Don't try to give them phony ass storylines and love angles like Noam Dar and Alicia Fox a while back. But now they brought in Rockstar Spud from TNA, now called Drake Maverick. Awesome name, by the way. And they've really focused on more of a wrestling-centric match uh, show style, and that's most evident in the new Cruiserweight Championship Tournament. Obviously, their former um, champion, Enzo Amore, was stripped of the Cruiserweight title amidst real-life sexual assault allegations, which no woman should ever have to go through. And Enzo Amore, I do not wish you the best of luck on your future endeavors, you piece of trash. But yeah, Triple H is taking over 205 Live now. This may be because Vince McMahon is trying to focus on the reboot of the XFL in a few years, or that Triple H is just gaining that clout as he's been doing. NXT is NXT is his baby, and now he's he's running the production for 205 Live and NXT. And I think this is a great move because nobody knows how to run a wrestling show better than. Like and, and a pure wrestling show. Monday Night Raw is different. Nobody knows how to run a pure wrestling show better than a wrestler himself and the game, Triple H. So I think it's a great creative move on that part. And so we're going to talk about some matchups not yet set in stone for WrestleMania 34. John Cena versus The Undertaker, which we'll get to last. I don't know. Is that going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Raw 25 didn't really explain that or not. But... Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar has not been confirmed yet. I know, I know I'm stringing some of you marks along, some of you IWC people, but it hasn't been confirmed. The Elimination Chamber match is going to set it up, and while Reigns did qualify, you still have Cena, you still have The Miz, you still, I think Finn Balor's going to win on Monday for the uh, Fatal 4-Way Losers Qualifier match, because why wouldn't he? I think Finn Balor is going to feud with The Miz for the IC title, and and uh, Gallows and Anderson are going to go after the Raw Tag titles. And Braun Strowman, I have no idea. I, I, I'm really torn between, between it either being Triple H and Kurt Angle or Triple H and Braun Strowman, because both of those angles happen at the same time, the same night, Survivor Series. I was watching it with my dad. He was like, what the hell is going on? I said, shh. <laughs> that's that's all I said, and I was just freaking out over it. But um, AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura is really the only the only match confirmed other than the cruiserweight championship finals, which I really hope isn't on the pre-show. But you know who knows? No use crying over spilled milk. I think the Bludgeon Brothers and the Usos are going to be a match at WrestleMania. Um, as I mentioned, the Bar versus Gallows and Anderson, Balor Club, um. 
So it's either Braun Strowman and Triple H or Triple H and Kurt Angle. It was going to be Rollins and Jason Jordan, but uh, that's not happening. And Seth Rollins was pulled off the Elimination card, the Elimination Chamber card, allegedly. But the big one, everyone's wondering, where, where's Shane McMahon going to go? Nobody knows. But the big one is, is Undertaker going to return for WrestleMania 34? He showed up on Raw 25, the 25th anniversary of Raw, and gave a very cryptic speech saying everyone he's beaten will rest in peace or something. It was very wordy, very complex, very interesting, and kind of summed up what it was like to be in the Manhattan Center for that Raw. Confusing. And The Undertaker looked like he was choking up when he was saying it, though. So I took it as he's retiring, and that was just a really way to retire. But there'd be no way... I, I, like, like, I guess he, he was putting the rumors to bed because his retirement, quote-unquote, was at WrestleMania 33. But I don't know, man. I really don't know. It's, it's weird. If he does return, it's against John Cena. John Cena could also feud with Elias. But Elias is in the Elimination Chamber match. Maybe Elias will eliminate Cena. Probably not. But Undertaker versus John Cena. If, that, if he does return, that is the match to happen we blew through the wwe really quick i'm kind of burnt out myself but i think this was a great edition premiere edition of the game on wsoe 89.3 think again i thank you all again for uh, giving me the platform to voice my dumb opinions and gaff for an hour and a half but i an hour and a half it's an hour i can't even get that right but um i i thank you all for allowing me to have my friends on as guests and and other experts on the subjects I like to talk about. Women's basketball tomorrow against Charleston, 2 p.m. I'll be calling that game on Maroon Sports and Phoenix All Access. So check that out. And it'll be right here on WSOE 89.3 as well. I'm going to get to travel in March to women's basketball against UNCW for their final regular home game of, I mean, regular game rather, of the season. So check that out as well. Check out one on one sports radio coming back this Wednesday, same time, same place, 7 to 8. Uh, I believe it's 8 to 10 p.m. actually on Wednesdays here on WSOE. Check out one on one sports itself. I believe we will have the new show up in just a little bit. And check out the band, The Hollow Party, new EP timing coming out. We're going to get Foster the Plea. Timing's already out. Check out timing, Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, and we're going to get Foster the people to play us out here with Doing It for the Money. Thank you all for listening to this edition of The Game on WSOB 89.3 Elon and Burlington.